Hi, Brenton Ford here. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. Today's guest is Mark Evans, and Mark and I met at a triathlon camp at the end of 2014, and we got chatting, and Mark's written a book uh, over the last four years called Triathletes in Motion. So he's, he's only just recently finished the book, and what he's studied and what he covers in the book is how uh, having better movement patterns and better stability through your hips and through your core and just uh, improving your posture, how all of that can make you a better athlete. Because traditionally, the focus of swimming and triathlon as well is on volume and intensity and training periodization and doing particular workouts during the, the, the right months and weeks leading up to a race. But what if you could improve your performance without logging the extra distance in the water or on the road? So that's what we cover on today's podcast. And it's particularly some of the main movement patterns and um, main assessments that you can make yourself to um, to see what your range of motion is like for swimming and how you can go about improving it. Because, I mean, I work with a lot with uh, adults, uh, adult swimmers, adult triathletes, and those that have a, a desk job or who are sitting down a lot during the day, they tend to not have the strength or the stability through their core or through their hips in order to um, in order to load up uh, at the front of the stroke and and perform swimming right they also sometimes don't have the uh, range of motion that they need to recover properly or have a high elbow pull so um, in this podcast that's what we look at is how you can assess where you're at now with your range of motion and your stability and how you can go about improving it so that that's just another tool that you can add to your swimming uh, especially if you're at that stage where you've kind of hit a bit of a plateau with your swim speed, this is something else that you can look at rather than just improving your technique or your strength. Yeah, they're things you want to work on, but also your range of motion and your stability. And particularly for swimming, it's something that's really important. So listen up as Mark and I discuss some of the most important uh, issues that, um, that you want to cover when it comes to movement and stability in your swimming. Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. I, I guess I've just found a, a better way of delivering it in a deeper way and, and, and uh, a way that uh, doesn't get in you know, it doesn't step on the egos per se so much of the coaches anymore. So, hmm. I, I mean, a really good example is, is like, you know, if you're teaching, um, you know, a group of runners and if you're, you're teaching one type of technique, and what if, what if half of those are people are immobile or have st- instability issues or neurotransfer issues and stuff like that? And my screening can help uh, identify what those are. And so that helps those coaches that have great skills at teaching technique get even better results. So that's, that's I think, the difference is I'm, I'm trying to, you know, people like Bobby McGee or maybe in some way to, your, to you or whomever it is, uh, you know, help them do their work even better by providing this, you know, basis of, of movement and, and stability and, and that kind of stuff. So mm. that wasn't always, always easy to do that years ago, you know, while I was still formulating these concepts. 
Well, like um, like you said last week, um, that this like this is the stuff that isn't sexy, but it's uh, it's stuff that's really important. So yeah, it's a bit of a, a hard sell to coaches and athletes because it's not um, you know it's easy to say go and hurt yourself in training. You need to do more miles and that sort of thing. But this is stuff that particularly for swimming that I find is um, just just so important, and especially the last couple of years. I mean. Because I I focus a lot on technique with my athletes, and um, if you try and manipulate what they're doing out of the water, a lot of times, partic- particularly with adults, is they can't get in the right position just because of those limitations with their their posture, and um, they're just so tight through their shoulders and uh, and all of that. So that's what I was really excited about when I found out what you do, because um, we've started to do a lot of assessment and correction with our athletes just. To help them, to help them be more mobile and get in the right position. So, it's um, I, th- I think for swimming it's just so important, and and even just watching a lot of swimmers, you can look looking at their technique, you can really pick out where they're where they are tight, whether it's through their traps or whether it's through their their lower back or their glutes, and you know you can see how their body's moving, and you can see where they're restricted with that sort of stuff. Oh, absolutely. It's um, you know it's. It, it really is. I actually talked about this in one of the clinics, and, and and that was really, you know, I mean, teaching technique for all the years that I did, you know, at a given point, you kind of say, well, wait a minute, you know, this person's not able to do what I'm asking them to do. What are the reasons behind it? And is it, is it because their, their, their history and training, and, you know, they're new to it, or or they're, they've been doing it a long time a certain way. Is it neuro or is it, are there limitations in the joints or, or uh, uh, in terms of flexibility and mobility and or stability? And so if you can say objectively in an evidence-based way, say, well, look, we've got some uh, weaknesses in your rhomboid, your stratus anterior, your pec minor is tight, uh, got uh, hip flexion or extension or whatever the case may be, all these different segments of the body, we can then um, identify correctives to, uh, you know, then for them to be in the water or cycling or or running and and all that at at the end of the day helps efficiency. The technique helps efficiency and all those other uh, elements. It just makes sense, you know, it just, and that was really why I spent, you know, Four years working on this book because I uh, I just had a I had a passion that I needed to provide a, a a method for people experts like yourself and others who are maybe already using physical therapy and other kind of movement skills to maybe you know hopefully they'll find my work and help their work too. So, so someone who's a, a coach like myself who might be listening to this podcast, how can they apply this? this sort of stuff, so the things that you teach in your book, to their own program, how would you recommend they go about that? Well, uh, I, I intentionally did, uh, well, first of all, the, the book is, is talks about posture and training principles and foundations of training, so you get a good understanding of the physiologies and whatnot and postures. But just, for example, understanding different postures that people have, you know, that that through just daily living changes and how they 
go about moving, sitting, standing, and walking can make a difference. But if a coach can identify, uh, hey, you know, you're, you're, you have a forward neck p- position and an upper rounded back, here's the active daily remedies. And you cue that athlete into maybe standing. You know, there was one young fella, in fact, I think he was an Australian six foot four young fella, I think at the camps that we did down in Florida. And, you know, he's only 17 years old and, you know, just a, a really nice young man. And, but I, I did an assessment on him and he, he uh, just in standing his regular, just daily posture was, was sort of uh, shy. He felt he guarded his height and what was happening is he has rounded shoulders, his neck is forward. He's trying to hide the fact that he's nearly eight or nine inches taller than all of his other mates, you know, as you guys would say down there. And, and uh, so I began to cue him into collarbone, scapular placement, uh, drawing in to set, to set the transverse abdominus muscles and all of a sudden, uh, he started talking my language of postures and positions, and it was really uh, fun to listen to him. But I, I made him understand, you know, that he didn't need to stand that way. He just happened to be that's who he was. Um, so coaches, in the early parts of the book, we talk about postures. And in another earlier part of the book, I have what everyone pretty much knows is the uh, overhead deep squat as a, as a tool um, I started using that in 1998, 1999, uh, as I was working in, with Olympic platform training with the triathletes and being educated by some great strength and conditioning coaches on, on it. And I started to recognize how the deep, deep squat, the, the overhead deep squat and Olympic platform lifting helped develop uh, uh, all the uh, complex muscles of the body not only in terms of strength, but in terms of mobility. And uh, then uh, some articles came out and they started uh, targeting asymmetries during the squat without weight. And I thought, oh, how interesting is that? We can, we can now objectively say that external rotation of the feet or adduction or knees drawing in or abduction or increased lumbar extension or cervical movement or, or whatever, these are common, tight, weak, and or inflexible muscles. And uh, so I basically spent about 15 years developing basically chapter through, uh, uh, three in the book, the posture chapter, using the deep squat. And we have, oh, I guess about 13 or 14 segments or asymmetries, but then dozens of exercises to correct those asymmetries. So to answer your question, this is a super tool for coaches if they can learn to become experts at looking at a deep squat. Squat, they can identify very quickly what the limiters are in, in the pecs or the lats or the hips or feet or all these different segments of the body. So it uh, it's one that I used at the National Training Center where you and I met in Florida. Uh, and it was great because a lot of the coaches were observing me and I was teaching them how valuable it was. And then not only would I do the deep squat, but then I would take a traditional physical therapy uh, uh, manual uh, movement test 
to validate it in front of them and show them why that it did validate this asymmetry. And so, and again, it, it only will enhance the swimmer, the cyclist, and the runner to note what individual differences they have. And my, my whole work is about the principle of individualization and the principle of assessment to deliver the athlete a better opportunity to move more functionally. And uh, real quickly, I then, in the later part of the book, we have more advanced tests that, that are simple to execute, very objective and practical, but they go just a little bit deeper in terms of the uh, segmenting of the body to look at asymmetries in the neck and the scapula and the chest, the trunk, the hips. And uh, so going to these camps and clinics after four years of working on the book and really over 15 years of research for it uh, was really nice to get the feedback that we had from world-class coaches that were there, Jamie Turner, yourself, you know, Bobby McGee, and then the coaches that came to the coaches clinic that we worked with. Um, and the presenter uh, was uh, uh, Susan Atkinson out of Pittsburgh, who's a uh, medical doctor, but uh, a very talented presenter of data metrics and physiology. And, and so uh, we did these tests and it was very, very useful. People, it started to get sexy to, uh, to kind of come full circle. And, uh, you know, I've been writing about this stuff since 2003. And uh, it took me, you know, four years to put this one together. And, and uh, you know, the movement is movement. But I did the same thing on the swimming, cycling, and running chapters. I, I really tried to uh, and want to be known as someone who conveys principles and for which with to build upon. And I've watched a few of your videos and I, uh, I've seen uh, a lot of, you know, similarities in terms of how we teach and approach uh, the swimmer. Yeah, well, I've, we've, I mean, we've changed sort of our approach over the last couple of years and the probably the very first thing that we, we work with when we're at clinics and uh, I've got a new DVD coming out called The Art of Triathlon Swimming and one of the very first things that we do is, is assess posture and, and mobility so um, you know if if the swimmer can't get in the right position then you've got to address that first before you know banging your head against the wall trying to get someone to have a high elbow in their catch or whatever it might be um, it, that's that's really the, the number one thing so um, with I mean with the overhead squat so for, for people who are listening on the podcast who might not know exactly what we're talking about it's basically um, you take a normal squat and then it's hands above the Sort of hands above the head um, in line with your torso and then squatting down and seeing what happens to your body there and uh, you did that test at the at the clinic or at the camp last week with one of the athletes and he wasn't able to get down further than probably 20 centimeters I'd say so you took him through um, you basically added some height underneath his heels and he was able to get down to that full range of motions so let's say someone is um, isn't able to do that that test, um, can you talk a little bit about some of the corrections that, or the most common corrections that you take people through to help them um, be able to you know, be more mobile with that that deep squat test? Well, I guess it, it maybe if we just take the example, I mean, it's a common one, is that, uh, first of all, the, the what we're doing uh, 
when we're ra- when we're squatting and we do so with our hands overhead, um, what we're what we're doing is we're actually loading the spine or loading the pelvis, and uh, it's important to note that uh, your differences in squatting ability with your hands on your hip or even your hands at shoulder level out front uh, are different. In other words, it brings out asymmetries uh, in different regions of the body because the hands are overhead. But like in swimming, I, I like the deep squat specifically. I mean, I like it for all sports, but for swimming, you know, at, at a given point where ipsilateral, we have one hand overhead and um, with uh, with an inability to say get a high elbow catch, uh, that's really half of a loaded position. And so those those uh, arms or scapula humeral tightness are identified through the deep squat. But in your uh, you were talking about the hips unable to go to uh, horizontal or even with the knees during the squat, and those are. It's a pretty common problem with athletes, uh, particularly those that sit and work and their, their knees are flexed all day. And so what happens, we end up get problems in the iliopsoas and the hip flexors and uh, causing uh, restrictions in hip flexion and trunk extension and, and uh, you know, those kinds of things. But it, additionally, another uh, uh, limiter can be... Um, uh, uh, um, weak muscles that uh, aren't supporting you uh, through the, the whole chain and you, you have this inability to get the full movement like in, I guess, the glute maximus would be one, glute medius, hamstrings, and uh, even your gastroc soleus, the calf muscles would be oftentimes weak in that position. So what we do is... Um, is uh, our corrective exercises uh, take people through what a system called, it's a self-progression system, um, and I, I call it ACEs. And, and it's, it's an acronym for accurate, controlled, and effortless and smooth movements. And there are three stages. And the first stage is on any of these corrective exercises uh, um, for this hips above horizontal, say, for example, uh, 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 maximus uh, exercises where you would have to be able to perform this exercise in an accurate, controlled, and effortless way and and doing four to five uh, sets per week and repetitions of 20 to 30 with three sets. And the next stage is um, uh, more reps, fewer sets, and less frequency per week. And then there's a maintenance phase, stage three, which is like 60 to 90 repetitions of each of those corrective exercises and only once or twice a week. So uh, in this particular case, however, uh, a, one of the remedies, well, one of the goals is, is to teach people what it feels like to move normally. And by because the gastroc, is tight, the, the, that uh, posterior lower leg uh, uh, muscle group, uh, it restricts their ability to squat. So one of the things that I came up with is by putting uh, plates or, or pads of lift underneath the heels, and we're able to 
start right from the very first day, um, teaching them what it feels like to do a normal squat in combination with their exercises and stretches that they do for that particular um, uh, exercise. How do you know when you have the right amount of height? Well, the squat will go to normal. The hips will be horizontal. The arms will be in alignment with the lower tibia and fibula. The, the trunk will be in alignment. But more importantly, and it's one of the very first things that I look at when I have somebody squat is distally. I look at the fingertips and the toes, and if there's any tension in the fingers or flexion and extension in the wrist, then I know they don't have enough elevation under the heels. And the bottom line of this whole thing is to get people to move normally or more functionally. And then when they do get in the water and you are asking them to do a particular exercise that they're able to, or a technique that they're able to do it better. Yeah. And, um, you're going through those exercises is, um, yeah, it, it helps, I guess, strengthen the, strengthen their core and just allow that stability from the middle of the body out to the extremities because um, you can you can pick someone out really clearly in the water who hasn't got that stability, especially through their hips. Um, they often their their timing's just out a little bit with their stroke, so their hips are just moving, but they're not really getting that power through their catch and, and driving through their hip. And um, you know, and with a lot of those swimmers, so for example, I've got a swim, swimmer in my squad who's just very very inflexible, very tight. And he, but his stroke's not too bad, but because he's so, just he hasn't got that stability, especially through his his core and his hips. He's just not getting much drive through his his stroke. And I've said to him, there's you don't need to worry too much about making changes with your stroke. You've just got to um, work on that stability through your hips. And basically, what you're talking about with that um, mm -hmm. with that sort of posture stuff. So what? Well, would, I, I, maybe if I can interrupt a little bit because I, I feel like it's a good good point because it's it's actually to this point one of the things that I teach coaches and athletes is the difference between or or what 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 is the core you know when you say hey you have to drive through your hips well what is that and how do you do that and what it is 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 specifically these are the local you have you have three three uh, uh, local global and mobile stabilizers and mobilizers. And the local stabilizers are the deepest uh, uh, muscles uh, that are a one-joint muscle. Those are your postural stable muscles. And guess what? They're always on. They're always holding us against some form of gravity or shift in direction. Uh, they're also slow twitch and, and whatnot. And, and, and uh, um, what they do is these muscle spindles uh, uh, provide input to the nervous system. So, and the muscles that we're primarily talking about, and people have probably heard about, is the transverse abdominis. And that transverse abdominis is, is like a um, upside-down pyramid. It goes from your hips all the way up to uh, just above your sternum. And it's the deepest muscle, abdominal muscle in the body, and that's the one that provides that stability. But what we want to do is we want to teach swimmers or athletes to move from proximal or, or central to the limbs. And I think, you know, when you see people kind of 
flailing with their arms or more arms rather than proximal orient, good swimmers look smooth because they're delivering forces from the pelvis. That's what we what I call load transfer. And and I think that's kind of what you were talking about and maybe what you're what you're what you're looking at. Those people that use the large muscles, those what we call uh, global mobilizing muscles are are those those ones that have speed and torque and force and so forth, but they aren't the deeper ones that provide the stability to transfer the load to the limbs. And we have some pretty interesting ways to help athletes and coaches train them to learn how to be local stabilizers and load transfer delivering athletes and and we find a lot of a lot of success in teaching people how to do that. Mm. And it, it makes makes such a difference. And I find that uh, for those swimmers who haven't, you know, who, who need to work on that, um, they're generally swimmers who are better with a pool boy because using a pool boy, <laughs> they get to um, it, it helps them kind of activate and stabilize through that part of the body, so they're able to get that load transfer a bit better. So. Um, particularly for swimmers, I mean, if you've got a wetsuit on, that kind of you know that can help because it it just keeps everything connected a whole lot better. But if you're swimming without a wetsuit or without a pool boy, um, it, it's yeah, it's really important to um, yeah to you know to be able to do that stuff without it and um, and go through these exercises that you've you've got in the book. And I mean, your your book's an absolute beast. It's I'm working my my way through it at the moment. Um, and yeah, it takes about a year to go through it, so don't be in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. I mean, there's there's a lot to it, and I think um, as a coach or even as an athlete who wants to self-assess and self-correct, um, it's important just to go through so one chapter, understand it, apply it, and then move on to the next one because you go into a lot of detail, which I think is which is excellent. I mean, um, it's no wonder it took you four years to write the book. It's there's just so much detail to it. Um, that you know, it's it's just such a great resource for people. So yeah, it is a, it is a resource, and and I'm learning as I'm doing clinics that it's it's you know it's good to focus on one or two things, find the asymmetry, and then look at the remedies, learn the, learn those remedies, apply the aces, and even when I'm coaching coaches in clinics, and and I hope to do more and more of that all the time. Is is it? It's a it's a great resource or a reference tool because it it really is principles versus a method. It, you know, it really helps set the groundwork for which all the other techniques and methods that they want to teach are there. Again, it's evidence based. It's a I'm really I call it kind of a paradigm shift where you're we're looking at the evidence of movement proximal to distal orientation. And and uh, and awareness. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of stuff in the book, but as I'm teaching it around and, and people are coming to see me, um, you know, it's kind of it's it, it makes me feel good that it's meaningful and people get it, you know. But you're right. It, 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 it and I, if I were to say, you know, learn how to do the deep squat in the early chapter on posture film it as we describe, and then find your asymmetries, and you're gonna 
you're going to have some very good segmental uh, changes in, in how you move and what your capability is. And real quickly, you know, this isn't for injured athletes per se, although it will help those with chronic injuries a lot, you know, nagging injuries. But this is to help all athletes who want to move a little bit more functionally. That's, that's a pretty important point I think I'd like to make. Mm, absolutely. And um, let's say someone's uh, they're training for swimming or they're training for, for triathlon and um, they've, they've got a pretty full schedule with, with kids and work and that sort of stuff. How would you recommend them fit this, fit this stuff into their current uh, program? Well, I've been doing that a lot just the last couple of weeks and realizing, you know, the magnitude of the content and the information in this. But, you know, I, I um, am doing that. We're, we're funneling down one or two asymmetries and also eliminating exercises that they may not need to do. Um, a, a good example at the, at the uh, um, triathlon research camp just last week was in a, during an assessment, we, we found people who were very tight in the hips and, and uh, also a person that did a overhead squat who had the most perfect squat of anyone in the room. However, through additional assessments, I realized that this person had, was hypermobile. So obviously, she could get to these positions. And that's why we do other tests. But, but I think the point is, is that you should, you should do, start with the deep squat. Busy people, busy family, career, want to do training. Find a one asymmetry and then look for those corrective exercises and utilize this ACEs system, ACEs, uh, system of training where it's accurate, controlled, effortless, and smooth. And you're going to have... Um, a lot of a lot greater success just trying to chip away rather than trying to correct everything all at once. Yeah, and that's I mean that's something that I teach a lot at our clinics is with the with the flexibility or the strength work is it's it's easy to say I don't have time to do it, but if you can fit five ten minutes a day, that can make a huge difference to um, to your performance. So. Um, it's and it's yeah, I mean flexibility is usually one of those things or you know this kind of stuff is one of those things that's it's the first thing to go uh, if people are, are short for time but it's usually the most important thing so rather than getting an extra let's say 500 meters into your workout you may be better off doing 10 minutes of of this corrective um, stuff in order to, to swim faster so it's, well the key is yeah the key is is that you're doing the exercises that you need to do that's that's this is the whole this is this is the paradigm this individual assessment that that though when you are, are doing these exercises you know that these are identified as your best they they provide you the best potential for good outcome rather than doing you know a class per se that doesn't really have any uh, clear uh, emphasis toward you. Uh, if you're hypermobile, why are you stretching your hamstring? You know, it's just there's just no benefit whatsoever. So that's yes, five minutes, ten minutes, but working on exercises that you need to do. It's the same thing with swimming. If you're or, or running or cycling technique, you 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 probably would agree is that 
you know, it's better to take one body line or posture or segment and, and work on that for extended periods of time rather than too many things at once. Mm, yep. Yep, that makes sense. So that's, um, that's, I mean, spot on, isn't it? I mean, if people have got a reason to, to do it and it's specific to them and they, and they know that it's going to, to help what they're doing, um, they're much more likely to do it. So, um, and, and the way to do it is to, to use the book find those assessments and corrections and, and go about it that way. So where can, uh, where can people find out uh, more about you and where can they, more importantly, go and uh, get the book, Triathletes in Motion? Well, our website is uh, markevansenduranceeducation.com and uh, the book is called Triathletes in Motion and you can buy that on amazon.com or Human Kinetics Publishers. And uh, we're... You know, thrilled with its uh, acceptance and people um, uh, liking what we've taken so great effort in in doing, and I appreciate the opportunity here too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, we here in Australia we get uh, we get physios in to do screening tests with our, with our athletes, going through um, very similar type of um, assessments and uh, and corrections and. Um, especially at the start of a season uh, and then three, six months afterwards, uh, seeing where people have got those asymmetries and then going about correcting them because um, it's, you know, you look at all of the, the top athletes in, in swimming or triathlon and most of them have, you know, they, they pass all of these, these screening tests. There might be one or two things that they've got to, um, got to adjust. But um, getting someone in, into a squad, so for example, I've got, you know, a squad of, of quite a few swimmers. So just getting a, a professional in to, to kind of just take care of that for me um, has, you know, makes it very easy for me. So, for example, if there's squads or, or coaches in the States who um, who have got a lot of athletes that they, you know, they want to, um, to have these, this stuff applied to their, their training program, then it's good to, let's say, get someone like yourself in to, um, to work with the athletes and, um, and, and teach them, really what they need to be doing so um i think you know if, there, if there's any squads in the states who would be um interested in in this kind of thing then it'd be worth getting in contact with you to um to work with their squad absolutely that's uh, really what drives me is is the education of athletes and teaching coaches how to do this and being an asset or resource for coaches uh, you know because i'm in a, a relatively unique position of having been a coach for, you know, about 30, 25 years and then more of an educator and author and working on, this is my fourth book, but I have this, uh, this kind of unique ability. I mean, I, I, I know that you might not have had a chance to look at the swimming, cycling and running chapters, but those are books unto themselves and talk about body lines and techniques. So I have this kind of unique place where I'm, I not only have the uh, uh, assessment of posture and the composite positions of all the different movements, but also the technique side of things where uh, we can help athletes and coaches deliver their information more effectively by, as I'd like to say, it's really principle-based material to help them achieve better movement, better postures, position, and awareness, and kind of the baseline is how to transfer load from the pelvis. And it's, it's such a principle-based method that I'm 
excited to teach coaches how to do that with their athletes and uh, looking forward to doing that. Mm. Yeah, and that's um, that's what I sort of like about sort of where you're coming from is you've got that huge experience working with um, working with some excellent athletes like Dave Scott and Scott Tinley, and um, and now you're able to to work with coaches to help them um, apply that specifically to swim, bike, and run. Because I mean, we've used I mean, I've been to physios in the past back when I was uh, swimming full time, and the ones who don't have experience with swimmers, they they were prescribing things to do which didn't really help, and they might say take a week out of the water. But as a as an elite swimmer, you can't do that. You know, you're going to lose. It's going to take you two weeks to get back to where you were. So, uh, if you see someone who knows what they're talking about, they know the sport, uh, then they can provide a lot more specific advice. And um, right, geez, it makes such a difference going to someone who actually knows the sport that you're right. training in. Yeah, there may be a, there may be a dozen different remedies beyond the traditional, um, you know, uh, uh, physio recommendations. And uh, my offices are my partners are we have two master degree physical therapists in my offices, and you know we we know where our lines intersect and where our our expertise is cross. And what you just said is is one of the reasons why we have such good synergy is because I have the coaching and the teaching and the education side, and they have that relatively upper level medical evidence-based side. And, and we, we combine those two to, you know, try to deliver uh, some of the best content possible to, to the athletes and coaches um, in, in a lot, for a lot of reasons because of what you just said. Uh, about our, my experience of having coached and worked with a lot of people for, uh, uh, you know, many, many years. You know, if, if there's a moment I, if, to talk, it, it was, a, you know, we, they also do physical therapy in my offices, and we had a, uh, about a 74-year-old woman come in with, who had two, uh, two knee replacements. She had uh, open heart surgery, had a fused ankle, and... Um, you know, they were going through some physical therapy uh, elements and, um, you know, they pulled me aside and said, hey, Mark, we're interested in what you think about her, her walking biomechanics, you know, and we had just a, a most interesting time because I, I was thinking about uh, her movement, her ability to transfer load, all the things that, you know, we do for triathletes. And then it was interesting, as I said, have you ever thought about a zero drop shoe? You know, so, <laughs> and uh, sure enough, because her stability with these uh, more traditional shaped uh, running shoes caused her to be more unstable. So with a, with a, a, a one manufacturer, Altera, their, their shoe box is a very wide platform and and wouldn't you know it, uh, it seemed to have a good resonance. So my experience, if you will, of having worked with athletes, been in that part of it, coupled with technique, coupled with posture, movement, core, uh, really teaching, I mean, the principle of learning how to deliver loads from the pelvis. I have a lot of very useful tips on how to teach athletes how to make their first motions from the pelvis as opposed to to from the arms or the shoulders or the feet, so it it crosses a wide spectrum. Quite interestingly, mm. and um, coming from that sort of principle-based uh, approach, it, when you look at things 
that way and I'm sort of thinking about um, assessing someone's stroke. So if you come at, um, come at it from that angle, everything seems to st sort of starts to make sense. So um, for example, you're talking about the, the tall young Aussie guy at the camp. So um, he sent me his video to, his swimming technique video to, to have a look at. And the things you were talking about, he was sort of not being, he wasn't as tall as he, as he could have been. He was kind of hunched over and hiding his height. That comes across in his, in his swimming as well. So he was, um, he come, he sort of swings across his head. He crosses over there and, mm -hmm. um, his, yeah, his, his hips are sort of moving from side to side and he hasn't got that, that nice and tall, long posture in the water. So, um, it, when you look at it from your approach, you can really start to make those changes, um, a lot more effectively rather than just saying, stop crossing over or, or right. swim taller. Yeah. Right, and his point, his most of his changes will come what, what I call from ADL, active daily living. So, because his his hiding his posture, as you say, uh, you know, I'm I'm a foot taller than most people, and foot and a half taller than most of the cute girls that he's going to school with. Except, <laughs> you know, he's hiding himself because he doesn't want to do that, and it transfers into his swimming. So. Um, Exactly. You know, you need to be able to have a wide berth of experience to be able to teach people in a lot of different ways. You know, we're not, again, it's not a method, it's principles. And, you know, methods kind of like our systems, you know, that, that become popular. And what we're really talking about is educating principles, principles of movement, principles of technique. Um, like, for example, a high elbow catch. There's one element of the high elbow catch that is a principle in all swimmers that attain that position. And, you know, it is the position of the elbow at the beginning or of the down sweep or at the end of the, at the, end of the uh, extension. And that elbow is popped straight up. It's just straight up in the air under like most all of the swimmers that I know that swim well. I don't know whether you agree or disagree with that, but it's a principle that I feel that they need to get in that position in order to execute that high elbow catch. So what we do is we try to help coaches and athletes say, okay, these are the principles. Now, if you can't get there, what are the movement limiters or the neurological limiters too? You know, Brenton, it's, it's not just movement. It's not just ability. It's, uh, it's oftentimes neuro too, you know, just training it. And that's why in my body line segments of the book uh, in technique, and we break down all the biomechanics and swimming, we, we have body line tests. And, and if, I, if we're working on the high elbow catch, there's one or two key, key postural segments that need to be executed in either pass or a fail system. And in order to train it, you're going to have to do you know, elite swimmers are going to have to do 50 100s or beginning swimmers 30 25s or whatever to, to imprint that neurotransfer, but it has to be done in an accurate, controlled, and effortless way uh, and filmed like you do. I mean, you do amazing videos, I think, uh, which really enhances what you're teaching. People, people um, I mean, I just think I can talk till I'm blue in the face, essentially, and you get you know, a lot of benefit. But once they see it, I think that's probably the most mm. valid tool when you when you combine 
competent teaching such as you do with the video, it resonates and, you know, you're helping a lot of people in a lot of useful ways. Yeah, we, uh, you, um, you weren't there on the day that I did my, um, did the presentation at the camp last week, but one of the, um, one of the things I had people do was, uh, it's basically an elbow change where they've got their hand, hand on the table and you move from having your elbow pointing straight down to have yeah. it pointing almost at the ceiling and, but not quite. Yeah. Um, and right. just getting them used to that that movement and getting yeah. them comfortable with that change, and then then I get them to take one finger off, so they've got four fingers on um, on the table, and then keep progressing through it until um, the final movement is where your hand isn't supported, so it's not on the yeah. table, and yeah. you want to still be able to make that that elbow change. And yeah. it's amazing when people take their hand off the table, so they're not supported. Yeah, eight uh, probably four fifths of people can't make that change anymore so they just haven't right. quite got that pattern down um but that's something that i get right. them to to practice and getting that yeah. right out of the water um it allows yeah. them to know what they have to do in the water because it's if you tell someone keep your elbow up in your pool yeah. what's it mean you know it's, it doesn't um it, it doesn't make sense and if they can't do it out of the water they're not going to be able to do it in the water right i love that because that's that's teaching a principle I mean, and so we do agree where that elbow point needs to be. And so it's teaching what I like to say. Uh, we're not teaching you technique. We're teaching you postures and position combined with awareness. So by you having their hand on the table, rotating the elbow, uh, moving uh, these distal fingers, and then being able to objectively see or, or evaluate whether they pass or failed, was the elbow up or is it down? It's either pass or fail, right? So yeah. <laughs> nothing in between is is a great tool to teach a principle. And uh, for me, it's like if I got 30 swimmers or 10 swimmers or whatever the number of swimmers are in the water, if we're working on one of those segments, it's pretty easy to see if you pass or fail and then ask the person if they pass or fail. And uh, But great, you know, great tip, great technique. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, really about those body lines of positions. And if a person can't get there, then that's where the dry land coupling, the remedies, the correctives help with, uh, I mean, we get a lot of uh, instability in and around the scapula. Hmm. You know, a lot of winging, uh, weak rhomboids, uh, serratus anterior, tight lats, tight pecs that prevent people from getting into these high elbowed uh, or what I call a wing line position. Um, once you start training them out of the water and then they have the active daily living correctives, uh, then they're able to do what you're asking them to do. And uh, that's the exciting part of kind of, you know, keeps me young doing this is I, I like, uh, I feel, feel like I've sort of put my arms around something that can really help a lot of people, but it's not, I, I really, think people should not be thinking so much of technique or methods, but principles. And, 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 and you know, I know, I know because I watched a few of your videos, I thought, okay, there's someone that really appreciates the, the principles of swimming. They're not necessarily teaching kind of a, um, I don't want to use any names, but it's, it's, it's not a method per se, but it's a technique. It's, we're teaching principles of technique, and then coaches can put their own spin on it. They can, that's where the beauty of it is. But 
there are principles like accounting principles, you know, two plus two is four. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do in my book is to provide principles for coaches and agree or disagree with some of the stuff, no worries. But, uh, you know, we try to do as best we could in, in providing these principles and then teach them, then teaching people how to teach them. And uh, that's probably my most, I love that the most is by taking a really smart coach and giving them small things, you know, just really tiny things that can help them deliver their techniques and their principles even better. That's, that's, that's what excites me now. So the clubs and teams or squads of either elite or recreational or amateur groups and clubs, you know, we're, we're wanting to help people do that either at their place or come into our place near Boulder. And, and, uh, you know, so we're pretty excited to do this for people. Yeah, I love it. And it's, um, it, it's just a good way to go about, about coaching, I find, because it's, the, I mean, there's no quick fix to swimming fast, running fast, whatever it's, uh, I find you've really got to start from, from here, um, the stuff that you're teaching, and then move it through to the different aspects of the stroke and that sort of thing. So it's, um, it's a more long-term approach, but I find it helps not just with the particular sport that someone's training for, but also just for general health and living and um Right. Someone who's at a desk for eight hours a day, they might get lower back pain, and and that can kind of spiral and and get worse. And um, you know, and and five ten years down the track, if they've been sitting down for for too long at work, and then they find that you know, they might slip a disc or something like that. And just learning this functional type of um, functional movements and strength and uh, and posture, that's it can make such a huge difference for just general well-being and uh and that's what i like about that's what i like about sport in general is it teaches you i was speaking with this about uh Eni jones on the, the last podcast but it's just such a um sport is such a good teacher of um, life lessons and life skills and um and this is just one more aspect of it right it's um i appreciate you bringing that up it, it, it at the end of the day that's what I'm trying to do is to lengthen the life of functional movement and performance. And, uh, you know, when people practice technique or, 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 or racing, you know, the, the maintenance of posture is, is, uh, or the difficulties in achieving, I guess, technique, if you will, are, are so related to just how we, are in our active daily lives and or more sedentary lives of sitting and learning how to identify what those limiters are for each person. We not only train the neuromuscular pathways, those brain to muscle responsibilities that are, um, you know, uh, cause us to have limitations in our movement, mobility, flexibility, stability. Uh, but, uh, what we really do is, is uh, an awareness of practice, of proper movement, and uh, proper posture. Mm. And there are foundations for that. There are principles for that. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, to be sure, it's, it's something that, uh, uh, in, in that simplicity, is a, is a book as, as thorough that, as I have. But when you really narrow it down, 
It's about teaching people to identify and to practice proper movements through better feelings. And I really like the word awareness, having an awareness of where I am in space and time, and then practicing it in the pool or practicing it on the run or bike through accurate, controlled, and effortless uh, repetitions and using video. And, you know, it's uh, uh, those uh, that attention to uh, postural positions. Uh, you know, if you ask someone to, you know, correct their pitch of their hand or their, their placement of their entry, big, big problem with swimmers is crossing over an entry. Well, you can't just simply tell them not to cross over. You have to look at the flexibility and about the joint, the muscles, the stability in the scapula, and then train it. You know, then, then there needs to be that neuromuscular training, you know, where they're accurate, controlled, effortless, and smooth. Do they feel it? Do they see it? Um, you know, is it, uh, uh, are they executing those fam more familiar and more effective uh, movements? Is it being reinforced? You know, those kinds of things. And mm. attentive awareness. People like it. They get it when I say, okay, we're going to eliminate all these other thoughts and we're going to have awareness of posture and position of the, of the recovery dur during out of water. And then uh, I think, I don't know if it was you, but we're, you're actually seeing the water or seeing the hand as you're turning your breath or where is the position of the elbow? And then it's a pass or fail kind of uh, 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 process where you not only have verbal, but uh, they're seeing it, they're feeling it uh, tactily. Um, it's a lot of fun. I get pretty excited about it just sitting here. <laughs> so. well, um, Jamie, Jamie Turner was talking about um, his athlete Gwen Jorgensen. And when uh, when Gwen first came to him, so she came from a, uh, a swimming background, but he was saying that she'd go to the, go to the pool and, and work out. She wouldn't think about, what she was doing or why she was doing it and she came to him and he sort of taught her to think about what she was doing in the water and you know, that awareness of um of what she of what she's doing and and why she's doing the workouts and uh and that change is is what makes all the difference and uh, a friend of mine wayne goldsmith he's um that's that's what he's written quite a few articles about is it's not so much um what you do in the workouts but um well so it's not a, yeah like what the actual workout is but it's it's why you're doing it and sort of how you apply yourself to that workout so um 10 400s can be done a lot of different ways and you might just jump in and just do it and get it done but if you're not thinking about your stroke if you're not thinking about your pacing um then it can be a bit of a wasted wasted effort and you won't get that much out of it but if you're thinking about what you're doing you're aware of it um, it, it makes a big difference and that's what, um, that's what I think for me growing up as a, as a swimmer and learning about strength training and technique and, and awareness, it gives you a huge, um, I think advantage over the general population who are never sort of taught how to move properly and how to be aware of what they're doing. So that's what, that's what I really love about swimming and, and triathlon is you get taught to, um, to be yeah, just be aware of, of what you're doing and, um, and look deeply at, 
at your training, at your nutrition and all these sorts of things and just be switched on to it all rather than floating through, you know, float, floating through life and um, just taking things as they come. It's about um, seeing where you're at, making corrections and, and getting better and improving. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, awareness is the key, but awareness is essentially being present. You know, where, where no matter what you're doing, it, you know, being present into, you know, if we're talking about swimming, what is, what is the focus of this particular, you know, set? And then calming down, you know, just tuning out those things that are maybe not necessary, but at the same time, you don't just want to go through the motions. And uh, I don't know any great swimmer or any great uh, talented triathlete who isn't constantly trying to think of ways to improve how they move through the body or how they're adapt or, or renovating uh, technique. You know, a lot of athletes are, you know, they're focused on the number, uh, the heart rate, the time, the pace, the power. And, you know, I'm, I'm a bit old school in that, I, I admit. I mean, having listened to a few days of, you know, metrics training, I, I realized how detached I am from that because I am more movement-oriented and, and perception of intensity-oriented, but also perception of kinesthetic, kinesthetically. Where am I in space and time? And it's actually fun, you know, to say, wow, I'm actually hitting that recovery I see the spots on the side of the pool deck or I see my limb in the posture and the position that it's supposed to be in. And guess what it's also doing? I feel different in the water. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great uh, benefits in having that awareness and being present, uh, no matter what it is, whether it's making a transition, you know, swimming long distances or, 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 or um, the differences, the benefits of, of uh, multi-stroke swimming for triathletes. Having, yeah. having this awareness of what butterfly, what the catch feels like in butterfly in relationship to freestyle. It's exactly the same, except it's two arms. But it's exactly the posture and the position. Same thing in the breaststroke. If you learn how to breaststroke, at a given point in the stroke, it's going to be that same high elbow catch. Guess what? Backstroke, upside down freestyle. No better way to teach a high elbow catch freestyle than to do backstroke because they can. I can say, I want your elbow pointed towards the bottom of the pool as you're backstroking. That's, it's a little bit easier. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's easier on your back to keep your elbow pointed towards the bottom of the pool than it is to keep your elbow pointed towards the, the sky in freestyle. Then I say, let's take that with you. 100 back, all you're doing is awareness of the elbow on each and every stroke, pass or fail, pass, 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 elbow pointed down. Now go 50 free, elbow up in the same position that's just upside down. Mm. So awareness, 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 body line, taking whatever principle you have as a coach and, you know, like I said, agree or disagree with our biomechanics and swimming, cycling and running. I don't think you can disagree with having an awareness of body lines. Make it more evidence-based. Make it a little more objective. Um, and like, you know, um, Jamie, I got a chance to talk with him quite a bit. 
Yeah, have have specialization, specificity. You know, you have to, especially at the IT level. I mean, there's no messing around there. You have to be on fire, present. There's no time to think. It's blinking, no blinking. You know, you have to. So you have to train your athletes in the very specific intensities that are found at ITU style racing. Uh, in swimming, you can't blink at that 50 free. You know, you 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 you. You know, it's it's an awareness of uh, in a different way, but it's it's uh, it's all integrated with the same principle of having an awareness and training specificity. Mm. Um, when uh, when I was uh, sort of growing up and, and going through some units, one of my favourite things was when we do repeat fifties. So, um, and mm. yeah, it's a sort of pretty common type of set, um, particularly for pool swimmers, is um, repeat fifties at like best average, so as fast as you can maintain for the set. And what I really like about those repeatable um, type of sets is that you can make very small adjustments with your technique, um, whether that's changes with your, your catch or your pull or um, what your hips are doing. And if you've got a coach at the end of the pool giving you times, you can see what those small adjustments do to your times. And, and a lot of times that's... Um, just those fine corrections and and discoveries about what changes make um, what um, what time differences. Um, yep. That's that you know that's kind of that that pointy end of the field that one percent um, kind of adjustments that um, that are really about re, you know refining your, your stroke and um, and so I try and do that a lot with my swimmers is you you, know, you want to be taking times you want to be giving them things that they can. Um, you know, a set that they can repeat the same distance and make those adjustments um, and see what impact that has on their time. Yeah, how many how many fifties are we talking about? What sort of rest interval were you think talking about? Um, the set that I'm thinking of, it was what was it? It was um, ten. I think it was ten. It was ten or twelve fifties, but um, done three or four sets of. Well, yeah. Actually, uh, yeah, and they were kind of done at different different efforts. So the first four um, were at I think PB plus three, which is kind of like ninety percent effort. And then yeah. um, you have a, a recovery one. Then you do um, two or three at sort of ninety five percent effort, and then you do another two or three at the end of um, pretty much you know, max effort. Um, but we'd also do sets of uh, sets of six fifties at best average. Um, and we do four or five sets of that, so six fifties on uh, the minute thirty. They were so they were you know quite a bit of rest. Yeah, yeah. And then you're practicing a, a specific technique shift in each one of those. Yeah, you'd be um, you'd be you know seeing what what difference. So like say trying to keep your your hips a little higher or um, trying to mm -hmm. maybe rotate a little bit more through your shoulders mm -hmm. and, and just seeing seeing if that made a difference to your time. So it's, right. um, and I find that stuff, it's, it's very sort of meditative as well that you're in the water and it's, you just got this single focus. It's just you, your time and your stroke and then nothing else. You can just zone everything yeah. else out. And I, I love that kind of swimming too. I, I, I would do it a little bit. I mean, I, well, I used to love doing like 40, 100 long course. And it would be, okay, I'm just going to work on uh, uh, front quadrant, for example, and I'm trying to notice the uh, mismatch or the floating or the sinking sensation I might have in my buoyancy, or it's the entry, or it's the high elbow position where 
each each elbow has to be uh, pointed up, or you can break them up in segments of ten. But like you, and it's not you know again, it's not sexy, and, and but to tell somebody to do forty one hundreds or forty twenty fives or forty fifties, they're going to get a little bored. But the, the way the way you can learn and the meditative, like you said, the meditative side of that is so cool because uh, you're learning to get those neuro that neuro uh, imprinting done. And it influences uh, uh, you in in such great ways to have that kind of focus. Uh, mm. uh, I love that kind of training. It's not the most popular, but it's it uh, it should be integrated fairly often. You know, every ten days or so, where you have these longer, real. You know, you, it's the same thing we do with movement. What is the asymmetry? What would be the key element that that's key body position or body line posture that they need to work on and give them a long set, you know, give them something that they can get into that meditative state, um, enough rest so that, that the movements can be accurate. Um, or, uh, or in your case, are those, are those changes in movement making them faster? You know, which, which one makes them faster? Mm. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of ways to do that, but I, I really agree. I like, I like that higher dosage of similar repeating and and uh, and I'm a big non-freestyle advocate for for every even the triathletes, which is mainly my focus. But uh, you know they don't particularly like it a lot. But once they once they understand the benefits, it's it's pretty good. Mm. And and when you're doing those sets, time time really goes quickly. Like um, like we do a. Occasionally, we'll do a ten four hundred set when we're training for for some longer open water swims, and um, you know that can be a you know, around about an hour long set. Um, but you go through it, and yeah, as hard as it was, and um, as much as you kind of hope you're wishing it wishing it was over, um, you know you look up and an hour's gone, but um, you don't know where the time went because you're just so so focused in on it, and um, that's uh, that's what I love about love about really applying yourself to to a session um we might we better uh, wrap it up here because we've been going for a bit about now but it's been great having you on the podcast and uh for those that uh for those that are listening go and grab mark's book triathletes in motion it's uh it's a bit of a i call it a bit of a, a bible or a bit of a um just real um workbook or um, mm-hmm. reference for, for someone who whether you're a coach or an athlete and you want to be able to move properly in the sport and um, rather than just looking to, to train more miles or train harder, this is another aspect of, um, of improving as an athlete and something that I think that I see a lot of people miss. And um, I mean, I've been guilty of this in the past as well, is not even looking at, at the movement and, um, and mobility side of things. So it's uh, a really important thing that a lot of people um, aren't applying to their, their training at the moment. So Mark, great to have you on and uh, I'd love to get you back on the podcast in the next couple of months and uh, have a bit of a follow-up from, from this one. I so appreciate and value all the work you do and uh, appreciate you taking the time to read portions of the book and uh, it makes, makes me feel pretty good that you'd have me on. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. I'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.